0: Well, hello and welcome to the Christian Contrast podcast, where we talk about how walking with Jesus leads us to live differently than the world around us. I am here with Troy Spillman, fellow pastor here at LBF Church. Thanks so much for being a
1: part of this episode. I'm glad this worked out.
0: Yeah. Well, so this is part three in three episodes where we've been talking about sort of deeper doctrinal issues and things that we wrestle with and don't always feel settled in. And so we, we talked, I, I encourage anybody listening to this to, to go back and listen to the other episodes where we talked about the, the doctrine of election, we talked about the Trinity, um, and the one we're talking about today is no pushover either, we're talking about faith and works, and how those two concepts work together, and that thing that Protestants and Catholics wrestle with, and that Christians within ourselves wrestle with. Um, so so what I'd start by is, is for anybody, is some people might hear that and say, well, I, I need to tune in. Some people might shrug their shoulders. Why, in your mind, is this an important topic for us to talk about?
1: Yeah, I feel like people get caught up kind of one extreme or the other on this equation. Either mm-hmm. they focus in on works, where it's so works dominated, and you never, you know, there's always this pressure of... Have I done enough? Have, have I passed, you know, the level to to be able to be okay, or even some base or salvation on that, or even entrance into heaven on that? Or you have the other side that really could care less, like, hey, yeah, I've accepted Jesus as my Lord. What else do I need to do? And just this idea of that, hey, I've kind of been there and done that. Um, and there isn't like this, this ongoing practice of the faith. And so, we need to try to find the middle ground between those two. So I think it is a really critical area to explore, I think, just for the Christian church. But I also think people kind of look at us and they have mixed views because of this topic. We're either one side or the other.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think it is this weird thing when, when we're having this discussion, we almost feel like we're just we're on this razor's edge and there's disaster on mm. either side of this. Yeah, yeah. Because we know biblically, we know that legalism is a real danger. And, you know, we, we think of the Pharisees and Jesus' words for them. They, he, he was not a deep admirer of the Pharisees who were all about the rules, at least all about a number of rules, but, but weren't about the heart of things and seeking God with their hearts. And, you know, you have Galatians 3.3 3, where he's warning the Galatians, you began in the spirit, but now you're trying to continue on in the flesh. Um, And then, like you said, you got this other side where you have this sort of lawless, licensed lifestyle where, you know, Paul even brings it up in Romans 6-1 with, you know, um, hey, should we just keep sinning? Because God gives more grace, and God loves giving grace, so we sin, He forgives. And you do, you hear Christians say, like, well, God will forgive me. Mm -hmm. So it does feel like we're in this perilous position where we know there's a connection between faith and works in the Christian life, but... We see danger on both sides, and so it's tricky to figure out, how how do we talk about this precisely, and how do we live this out precisely?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Bible talks about both, right? It actually addresses both those issues. And one of the key verses, you know, Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, where it talks about, "For is "...by grace you have been saved through faith." And not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And I just think about it: if if our entrance into heaven, our salvation, is based upon our works, heaven would be kind of an awful place in the sense that it would be a a brag fest. Hmm. Hey, do you know what I did to get in here? And you list all these things. But except we know that we are entered into heaven, we have this relationship with the Lord because of grace, of what Jesus has done for us, and we accepted that, we trusted him for it, so we received this gift, and so we have nothing to brag about. Yeah,
0: and and that is powerful, because the bragging rights thing comes up a lot in Scripture mm-hmm. about that idea. I was thinking, I mean, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, which you just quoted as, was the first thing that came to my mind, like you said, it, it really zeroes in on it. Um, Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, Paul again, he writes... Uh, know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. And here's the key, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. So when we're talking about this, when when we're talking about faith and works and saying, all right, we're talking about, as you said, sort of entrance into the family of God our salvation, what is the relationship between faith and works in this? We get the pretty clear message, you know, we do not get ourselves in. We, we are riding the coattails of Jesus. We're clinging to him by faith. We have no bragging rights. We joyfully accept that we've received grace, that, that faith is what's brought us in. So we get it. it. I think for our starting point, we just get that, all right, when it comes to becoming a Christian— And by that, we don't mean going through some religious conversion in terms of world religions. What we mean is being welcomed into the family of God. That is something that's not a mix of faith and works. That is by faith without works. It's not something that we've done. You know, Ephesians 2 talks about the idea that um, earlier in in the passage, it says that we were dead in our transgressions and sins. Dead men don't (laughs) save themselves. Yeah, Dead men so. don't work their way into heaven, so we start with that strong, solid foundation of it is by grace, you know, like you said it's it's not a brag fest, Christians should be the most humble people in the <laughs> world we We come to it by pure grace because of our faith and not because we've achieved something by our behavior yeah,
1: yeah, it's like we do good works because we're saved, not to be saved. And it could seem like such a, a minor little detail, but it really is critical. It's really important for us to grasp that.
0: Yeah. Well, when even, you know, going back to the, the Romans um, 6 passage where Paul says, um, you know, should we just keep on sinning so that grace may abound? I, I think, at least for me, every time I hear him say that, I'm like, well, we know the answer is no. We all know, yeah. well, you're not supposed to just go on sinning. But in my mind, what I always want to say is the reason you shouldn't go on sinning is because you would be an ingrate. You know, what, what an ingrate. You know, God did all this for you, and you're just going to go on sinning. But that's actually not where Paul goes. What he says is, we have been made new. We are dead to sin. And so it is this idea where if our lives don't reflect that we are, as 2 Corinthians 5 talks about, a new creation in Christ, then the bottom line is we probably aren't a new creation in Christ. So there still is. We, we come, hey, we, we're saved by faith. But we don't get get to then just walk away and say the issue is settled because, as you said, clearly in Scripture we get the consistent indication that works are a fruit, are a sign, are an indication, and works, as far as obedience to Jesus, are the main indication of being able to identify who is and who is not a Christian.
1: Yeah, I kind of liken it to the Christian business card. You know, instead of handing out a business card, our calling card really should be— that we do good works. So our works follow us. We're known for what we do, not just what we say. You know, I think of like a tree where, you know, a good tree produces good fruit. In fact, Jesus actually says that. He says, A good tree produces good fruit, a bad tree produces bad food. A tree will be known by its fruit. So we'll be known for what we do and what we say and how we act. You know, people around us, you think of those that know that we're believers, followers of him, uh, our neighbors, coworkers, others, they have an opinion of us. And I wonder, like, what is that opinion? Uh, is it because do we actually live out what we say we are about? And yeah. so you think, of like, Orange Tree, it doesn't have to go, okay, I'm going to produce oranges this year. Like, oh, there it is. It's so, like, no, it's just naturally what it does. Yeah. Yeah. Plugged into the vine.
0: And, you know, I mean, you you lead the charge in our church when it comes to missions, you know, yeah. locally oh. and globally. And, and of course, the the great classic passage on that the end of matthew the great commission Mm -hmm. um he says go and make disciples of all nations and you just think of that he he doesn't say go and make converts which you know i'm I'm not you know there is such a thing as conversion when we come into the Mm -hmm. family of god through faith but i think it's striking to say the way that he describes a christian what we would call a christian is a disciple a disciple is not just somebody who's checked a box and said, yes, I affirm that Jesus is the Son of God, but it's somebody who is a learner. It's somebody you know who's a student, or some people use the word apprentice because that was sort of the idea of a disciple. And so you think about that and say, well, if we're disciples of Jesus, we should resemble Jesus. We should have those good works. Those should be coming out of us. And of course, love is is the chief good work. It's, it's sort mm-hmm. of the one that binds it all together. But this is one of those, uh, like you said, this is the the striking thing where we think about it and say, all right, on the one hand, even when we think of our testimony to others, if we are braggadocious, sort of brash, elitist, that, that's going to tarnish the name of yeah. Jesus. Um, that's not going to make anybody say, I got to get in on that. But if we are so live and let live and so permissive, that our lives don't in any way resemble that Jesus and obedience to him is important to us, that's another thing where you'd say, why, why is anybody going to sign up for that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes Christians, and I I think I understand what they mean sometimes when they say it, but sometimes I'll hear, you know, even members of our church saying like, I, I want people to come around and hang out with me and my Christian friends because then they'll see we're, we're just like them. And I always cringe when I hear that. So <laughs> I'm like, hopefully you're not just like them, you know, mm-hmm. and, And I think what sometimes people mean is like, we're just like them. We have problems and we have struggles and like, all right, all right, fair enough. We should not be just like others. We should be drastically different in the way that we're living and conducting and thinking and giving financially. So it is this thing. When we talk about faith and works, it's not as simple because on the one hand, we're like, by faith alone, we're saved. And on the other hand, we're like, man, if you don't have works it's you you're you're not, you're not doing this right that the, you know and so it, even though i think we're 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 looking you know you you made the comment um you, you know we're we're not saved because we do good works we do good works because we're saved which i think is is the right biblical distinction we still do find ourselves in a tricky spot because sometimes people are like well do i have enough good works to demonstrate that i am changed and what if i'm looking at my friend and they're saying they're a christian but i'm not sure that you know, we still do end up in a wrestling match. And I'm I'm just curious, you know, your thoughts on how we sort of navigate through those questions that come up to say, I, I know I'm saved by faith, but according to Scripture, if I'm not showing any fruit, I should be worried that I'm not really saved or that it wasn't real faith. So how do you think we
1: sort of work through those dynamics? Yeah, that's always the challenge. Um, one time I did a memorial for this young man, and he was on-fire believer, mm-hmm. you know, he talked to others about his faith, he practiced it, he lived it out. And there were some non-believer coworkers that were there, and I think they said one of the highest compliments you can say. He basically said, hey, I didn't really believe all that he believes, but he really did, and he mm-hmm. was genuine, and he lived it out. I was like, wow, I wish I could quote, that. I wish that was said of me someday, right? Yeah. That I actually lived out what I believe. And just think about that part of where... Uh, here on this earth, you know, we have a role. God has given us this time here for a reason, to live it out and to live it for him, be about his business. I'm the serving pastor here at the church, you know, the local global serving pastor, you know, the longer title here of <laughs> our pastoral staff. And my whole goal is to, for people to find or figure out what their strengths are and what their gifts are and how to use those to be a blessing to those around us. Because if we are doing that, God will continue to use us, and we're made for this. You know, it's not one of those things like, hey, I want to strive to kind of figure this out. No, I was made for this. I was made to do good works and to represent the Lord. And so there's opportunities Mm. all around us if we'll open our eyes to it. Yeah. And I I think that's a
0: significant thing, too. Just, you know, some some people will use the phrase spiritual formation, which is just sort of talking about what what flows out is the, the internal work of the Spirit within us, and that, when we think of walking with Jesus, it's not just about, you know, do the rules. It's about the idea that we're being transformed from the inside out. And, and a mm-hmm. distinction that I think you just brought up there is that um, if there's anybody listening that's like, have I done enough good things to sort of prove that my faith was real? Which I know it, it, at different times, even for me, is a trap that I find myself falling into. Um, I, I feel weird saying, even me, even me. I just mean, like, even as somebody that's been a believer for a long time and has gone to seminary, I still find this wrestling match, and if we change our perspective and instead of saying, all right, have I proved this, that we say, I get to be a part of God spreading mm-hmm. His glory and His light to the world. And so I'm not approaching works from the standpoint of saying, like, all right, good, this, this vindicates me, and this will, will prove and make me feel at ease that that I've done enough. But instead to say, "I I get to walk forward in this mission, as you said, God created us for. Mm -hmm. Like, how many times, you know, how many times uh, as a believer, after doing something and using your gift, have you just felt more alive than if you're sitting at home flipping channels, you know, eating chips and watching sports? It's like, (laughs) sometimes we look at that and we're like, that's all I want to do all weekend is just Mm. veg but when we do what God has made us to do you know i mean for me when i get to preach and teach god's word mm-hmm. you know it's tiring but i'm always like oh like this is what god made me to do and you know you're such a great team leader in different ways and when a team comes together and accomplishes something or you know this this saturday probably after we do community impact day there's going to be a sense of like this mm. is what we were made to do like we're we're not even we, we are sacrificing but we're also most alive when we're doing these things. And instead of these good works being
1: a burden, they, they really are an invitation to vitality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a key word too says we get to do this. Yeah. You know, which is different than I have to do this, right? Like, okay, I have to eat my vegetables, you know. No, I get to do this. I get to be a part of what God's doing in the world. He doesn't have to include us. He chooses to. He wants to use us. One question that really kind of haunts me, I believe that I have to ask myself, but I think it's good for us as a church as a whole to ask that if all of a sudden it became illegal, like there's a lot of countries around the world, it is illegal to do what we do. That just blows our mind. We can't even comprehend that it would be illegal to even have a conversation like this that's being put out there. And so imagine if it was illegal to be a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict us? Hmm. You know, would there be enough? Would it be like... No, there's right really not a whole lot of evidence. So let's let them go, you know? It's like, no, there should be enough that would convict us because this, yeah. this is our true identity. And we can get sidetracked by a lot of other things. And I think the enemy of our soul would want us to do anything but what God is calling us to do. Yeah,
0: and, and that is significant. And, and, and I think it is part of the reframing. You know, I think of, um, yeah, I, I remember when I, when I was in Bible college and seminary, there was always the, the James and Paul, Sort of mm, debates mm-hmm, because yeah. you know Paul. I already read it from Galatians where he says we're justified not by works but by faith, and famously in James too. James says we're justified not only by faith but works, and we're like our minds start to explode because we're like, no, the, you know, the it, are they are they at odds? Are they fighting with each other? Um, and I think a, a way that I've I, I, I'll I'll fly this analogy to you. It's, it's one that I've used before. I I really think if you read these passages, Paul and James are really saying the same thing, mm-hmm. they're having a slightly different framework in how they talk about it. And I almost imagine it like, like let's say there was in front of us, there was the, a frame of a car. Um, you looked at it, it appeared to be a car, but it had no engine. Um, you might have Paul looking at that and being like, if it doesn't have an engine, it's not a car. It may look like a car. It may have some exterior marks of a car, but no engine, no car. And we might say like, all right, fair, fair enough. And James might look at it and say, sure, I'll grant. It's a car. It's a useless car. And I think that that's the part of the way that they talk about faith, where Paul is saying, hey, if it doesn't have the works, it's not real faith. And James is almost willing to be like, sure, it's faith in some way. It's a useless faith. It's not a faith that saves you. So I don't think these guys are at odds. And I think that they really are pointing towards the idea that the mark of a believer is not just that you buckle down and obey, but the mark of a believer is that we are made new. And, you know, j- just as you said, that that idea of would we be convicted haunts you. Um, one of the things that Jesus said that inspires me, but also haunts me, is in John 4, um, the story of the Samaritan woman. You know, his disciples had gone to get him food. He, they come back, they see him talking to the Samaritan woman, then she leaves and they say, Jesus eat some food. And he said, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. And I just always think of that and say like, wow, yeah. what would that be like to feel like, no, what I crave is to do what God has made me to do even more than I crave food. Yeah. Like, what a statement by our Lord. I feel like we get glimpses of that when we lean into the idea that, as Ephesians 2.10 says, we're made for good works. He prepared them beforehand for us. They can be what we feed on and get our vitality from, that we're doing the will of the one who's created us and sent us out into the world to show
1: his light. Yeah, yeah, it it brings life. And I think you're right on, you know, just that that analogy, I like it where I think both of them are hitting it from different perspectives. So they're really talking about really different angles on the real thing, on the same thing. Uh, I love where James says, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Exactly. And then he goes on and says, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. I just think it's interesting. Oh, he's, yeah. even compla- he's even comparing to demons, fallen beings, uh, fallen Satan, and that uh, at least they have some kind of action. They actually quake in their fear. Yeah. They shudder. I just think that's so classic that he's going to that extreme, kinda of showing hey at least there's some action with them. It'd be that's great. You yeah. had some action as well. Yeah. And that is
0: powerful because that does show there's at least some example of believing something that doesn't affect change. Whereas faith is much more it's it's an act of desperate clinging that there is this implication that biblical faith, if you're believing it, you know, I mean, Hebrews talks about the idea of being certain about what's unseen and that we're trusting God as, as not only existing but being the rewarder. Um, so so here's a question I, I want to throw out, just as, as we think practically, because um, there may be some people listening to this that either they're thinking of this about their own lives or they're thinking about somebody in their life, and they're thinking, all right, maybe I'm at the point that I'm like, I look at my life, and I'm not enamored with the evidence that I see, with the fruit that I see, or they're looking at somebody else and trying to discern, like, they say they're a Christian, I, I don't know. Um, but but let's keep it on the person. If the person's saying, I, I don't know that I do have all the evidence to convict me, um, how would you sort of counsel a person to respond if they're honest enough to say, I, I don't know? Like, it's it's, it's not like there's no indication that I'm a Christian, but it's, it certainly is not something that I feel like is as strong as it should be.
1: Yeah, I would tell people, take the first step. Sometimes we think, well, then I'll go on the mission field. Or, no, just what's the first step? Maybe the first step would be you know, talking about a co- to a co-worker that you go to church and that you, you follow the Lord. Maybe you ask how you can pray for someone. Uh, maybe look for a way you talk to your church or talk to your pastor or the leaders, like how you can be involved in a way that you could serve on a Sunday or a midweek. Uh, just take it like the first step. I think we overwhelm ourselves. Yeah. We don't think, well, I have to be all the way. I have, I have to do, you know, maybe compare themselves to someone they know that's been a believer and following for a long time, highly active. Well, I can't be like that. Well, they started with one step. So, right. so let's break it down to one step. What's the first thing? you can do out of obedience. Trust God for that, see how he answers that, and then you have faith to trust him for the next step. Yeah,
0: and I think that that is wise. You know, I mean, it's it's powerful that Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and we all know fruit yeah. comes gradually. Yeah. You know, you don't just plant a tree, and then the next day it's, it's filled with fruit. And so uh, I think, you know, Jesus talked about the idea that the one who's faithful with a little will be faithful with a lot, and I think there is that sense of saying, okay, do that next thing that the Lord has called you to do. You know, in that Great Commission passage, it says not only make disciples of, of all nations, it says teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. Mm-hmm. Just say, what what is the next yeah. step of obedience that Jesus has called you to? And there are times for for people that, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you're like, I've been around church all my life, but but you're sort of like, it's not just that I'm not where I should be, like my life does not really resemble a believer then the hard step that that you might need to take is to say am i really a believer or am i just a church person hmm. am i just somebody yeah. who sort of has been in and around i know the stories i i believe in the way that james talked about in in james too you know yeah i believe that god exists you know you have the same faith as demons which james sort of sarcastically is like good job Um, that there is a time. Like, I I know people, even, you know, I went to a Christian college, and I know people that, while I was there, came to faith in Jesus because they came to the conclusion, like, I'm just a church guy. Like, I have never Mm -hmm. embraced Jesus by faith. And so don't let the shame over, like, but what would people think because I think I'm already a Christian. Don't let that keep you out of the family of God. that's right. And so there are times to say, like, all right, I may not be a believer, and then there's other times to say, man, you know, Satan loves to accuse, and the Spirit loves to convict. And so what others might be experiencing is just like, hey, the Spirit's convicting you. Like, the enemy wants to be like, you'll never live up to, you know, this. But the mm-hmm. Spirit is saying, there's so much more for you. And you're not going to take 20 steps at once. You, you're going to be able to take that next step. And there is that cool thing in, in Psalm um, 34, I think it's 34a, where it says, taste and see that the Lord is good where it's almost like when you get a taste mm-hmm. of being close to God, you're probably going to want more. Yeah, and for sure. Yeah, you're going to be ready for step two
1: pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. That's been my experience, Yeah, you know, walking with others. But I didn't think of my first days, you know, in college. One of, of when I went to a Christian meeting. I was like, wow, I'm hanging out with Christians. What do I do now? I really <laughs> thought, thought like, okay, what's the next step? You know, I remember asking one of the leaders, he was like, well, come back to next week. Hey, and we also have a Bible. You want to start reading that? I'm like, okay, where do I start? And so uh, it is one of those things that, hey, I want to start. I just need to take the first step, right? And then there's plenty of people who are going to come alongside, enthusiastically mm-hmm. love to be able to shepherd you and walk with you through that of what the next steps would be. Take the first step in faith and see what God will do. Yeah. Amen. It's
0: good that's
1: good counsel. You know, and this like
0: all the subjects we talk about, we we far from exhausted this. But hopefully this has been fruitful and helpful in just saying, All right, that this is a part of what we walk with as believers. We are we are people of faith. And that faith, as as I think it was Martin Luther who said, We're saved by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. It's a faith that brings about life change that's a sign to who Jesus is. Um, So thanks so much to to those of you who took the time to watch or to listen. Um, We put out Christian Contrast podcasts every two weeks, and so we'll be back with another one in a couple weeks from now. And you can find all of these on YouTube or on our webpage, lbf.church, and you can comment on them or ask questions or give feedback because we check that and we love to have interactions about that. Um, So until two weeks from now, Troy, thanks so much for being here on this episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely, and thanks so much for those of you who listened. We'll see you in two weeks.